You are listening to LearnOutLoud.com's production of Spiritual Classics. Collecting key excerpts from a wide range of religious traditions throughout human history, this podcast is dedicated to showcasing the core teachings of the world's greatest spiritual thinkers. For a complete listing of all the Learn Out Loud podcasts with links to subscribe, please visit us at www.LearnOutLoud.com podcast. Thank you for listening. Chapter 7 With this chapter begins an exposition on the nature of reality and the secret of devotion. The Lord said, Hear, O Partha, how with thy mind riveted on me, by practicing yoga and making me the sole refuge, thou shalt without doubt know me fully. I will declare to thee in its entirety this knowledge combined with discriminative knowledge, which when thou hast known, there remains here nothing more to be known. Among thousands of men, hardly one strives after perfection. Among those who strive, hardly one knows me in truth. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, reason, and ego. Thus eightfold is my prakriti divided. This is my lower aspect. But know thou my other aspect, the higher, which is jiva, the vital essence, by which, O Mahabahu, this world is sustained. Know that these two compose the source from which all beings spring. I am the origin and end of the entire universe. There is nothing higher than I, O Dhananjaya. All this is strung on me as a row of gems upon a thread. In water I am the saver. In the sun and the moon, I am the light. The syllable Om in all the Vedas. The sound in ether and manliness in men. I am the sweet fragrance in earth. The brilliance in fire. The life in all beings. And the austerity in ascetics. Know me, O Partha, to be the primeval seed of all beings. I am the reason of rational beings and the splendor of the splendid. Of the strong I am the strength, divorced from lust and passion. In beings I am desire undivorced from righteousness. Know that all the manifestations of the three gunas, sattva, rajas, and tamas, proceed from none but me. Yet I am not in them, they are in me. God is not dependent on them, they are dependent on him. Without him, those various manifestations would be impossible. Befogged by these manifestations of the three gunas, the entire world fails to recognize me, the imperishable, as transcending them. For this my divine delusive mystery, made up of the three gunas, is hard to pierce. But those who make me their sole refuge pierce the veil. The deluded evildoers, lowest of men, do not seek refuge in me. For by reason of this delusive mystery, they are bereft of knowledge and given to devilish ways. Four types of well-doers are devoted to me, O Arjuna. They are the afflicted, the spiritual seeker, the material seeker, and the enlightened. Of these, the enlightened ever attached to me in single-minded devotion is the best. For to the enlightened, I am exceedingly dear, and he is dear to me. All these are esteemable indeed, but the enlightened I hold to be my very self, 
For he, the true yogi, is stayed on me alone, the supreme goal. At the end of many births, the enlightened man finds refuge in me. Rare indeed is this great soul to whom Vasudeva is all. Men, bereft of knowledge by reason of various longings, seek refuge in other gods, pinning their faith on diverse rites, guided by their own nature. Whatever form one desires to worship in faith and devotion, in that very form I make that faith of his secure. Possessed of that faith, he seeks to propitiate that one, and obtains there through his longings, dispensed in truth by none but me. But limited is the fruit that falls to those short-sighted ones. Those who worship the gods, go to the gods. Those who worship me, come unto me. Not knowing my supreme character, the undiscerning think me, who am unmanifest, to have become manifest. Veiled by the delusive mystery created by my unique power, I am not manifest to all. This bewildered world does not recognize me, birthless and changeless. Having the power to create this world of sense, and yet unaffected by it, he is described as having unique power. I know, O Arjuna, all creatures past, present, and to be, but no one knows me. All creatures in this universe are bewildered by virtue of the delusion of the pairs of opposite, sprung from likes and dislikes. But those virtuous men, whose sin has come to an end, freed from delusion and of the pairs of opposites, worship me in steadfast faith. Those who endeavor for freedom from age and death by taking refuge in me know in full that Brahman, Adhyatma, and all karma. Those who know me, possessed of even-mindedness, they know me even at the time of passing away. The sense is that every nook and cranny of the universe is filled with Brahman, that he is the sole agent of all action, and that the man who is imbued to him becomes one with him at the time of passing hence. All his desires are extinguished in his vision of him, and he wins his freedom. Thus ends the seventh chapter, entitled Janan-Vijnana Yoga, in the converse of Lord Krishna and Arjuna, on the science of yoga, as part of the knowledge of Brahman in the Upanishad called the Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 8 The nature of the Supreme is further expounded in this chapter. Arjuna said, What is that Brahman? What is Aryatma? What karma? What is called Aribhuta? And what Aridaiva? And who here in this body is Aryajna and how? And how at the time of death art thou to be known by the self-controlled? The Lord said, The Supreme, the Imperishable is Brahman. Its manifestation is Adhyatma. The creative process, whereby all beings are created, is called karma. Adibhuta is my perishable form. Adidaivata is the individual self in that form. And oh, best among the embodied, Adiyajna, am I in this body, purified by sacrifice. That is, from the unperishable unmanifest down to the perishable atom, everything in the universe is the supreme and is an expression of the supreme. Why then should mortal man arrogate to himself authorship of anything rather than to do his bidding 
and dedicate all action to him. And he who at the last hour remembering me only departs leaving the body, enters into me, of that there is no doubt. For whatever form a man continually contemplates, that same he remembers in the hour of death, and to that very form he goes. Therefore at all times remember me and fight on. Thy mind and reason thus on me fixed, thou shalt surely come to me. With thought steadied by constant practice, and wandering nowhere, he who meditates on the supreme celestial being goes to him. Whoso at the time of death, with unwavering mind, with devotion, and fixing the breath rightly between the brows by the power of yoga, meditates on the sage, the ancient, the ruler, subtler than the subtlest, the supporter of all, the inconceivable, glorious as the sun beyond the darkness, he goes to that supreme celestial being. That which the knowers of the Vedas call the imperishable, or that word which the knowers of the Vedas repeat, I will declare to thee in brief. Closing all the gates, locking up the mind, fixing his breath within the head, wrapped in yogic meditation. Whoso departs leaving the body, uttering Om, Brahman in one syllable, repeatedly thinking on me, he reaches the highest state. That yogi easily wins to me, O Partha. Whoever attached to me constantly remembers me with undivided mind. Great souls having come to me reach the highest perfection. They come not again to birth, unlasting and withal an abode of misery. From the world of Brahma down, all the worlds are subject to return, O Arjuna. But on coming to me, there is no rebirth. Those men indeed know what is day and what is night, who know that Brahma's day lasts a thousand yugas, and that his night too is a thousand yugas long. That is to say, our day and night of a dozen hours each are less than the infinitesimal fraction of a moment in that vast cycle of time. Pleasures pursued during these incalculably small moments are as illusory as a mirage. Rather than waste these brief moments, we should devote them to serving God through service of mankind. On the other hand, our time is such a small drop in the ocean of eternity that if we fail our object here, that is, self-realization, we need not despair. She should bide our time. At the coming of day, all the manifest spring forth from the unmanifest, and at the coming of night, they are dissolved into that same unmanifest. Knowing this too, man should understand that he has very little power over things. The round of birth and death is ceaseless. This same multitude of creatures come to birth, O Partha, again and again. They are dissolved at the coming of night, whether they will or not, and at the break of day, they are reborn. But higher than the unmanifest is another unmanifest being, everlasting, which perisheth not when all creatures perish. This unmanifest, named the imperishable, is declared to be the highest goal. For those who reach it, there is no return. That is my highest abode. This supreme being, O Partha, may be won by undivided devotion. In it all beings dwell. By it all is pervaded. 
Now I will tell thee the conditions which determine the exemption from return, as also the return of yogins after they pass away hence. Fire, light, day, the bright fortnight, the six months of the northern solstice. Through these departing men knowing Brahman go to Brahman. Smoke, night, the dark fortnight, the six months of the southern solstice. There through the yogin attains to the lunar light, and thence returns. I do not understand the meaning of these two shlokas. They do not seem to me to be consistent with the teachings of the Gita. The Gita teaches that he whose heart is meek with devotion, who is devoted to unattached action and has seen the truth, must win salvation, no matter when he dies. These shlokas seem to run counter to this. They may perhaps be stretched to mean broadly that a man of sacrifice, a man of light, a man who is known Brahman finds release from birth if he retains that enlightenment at the time of death and that, on the contrary, the man who has none of these attributes goes to the world of the moon, not at all lasting, and returns to birth. The moon, after all, shines with borrowed light. These two paths, bright and dark, are deemed to be the eternal paths of the world. By the one a man goes to return not, by the other he returns again. The bright one may be taken to mean the path of knowledge, and the dark one that of ignorance. The yogin, knowing these two paths, falls not into delusion. Therefore, at all times, O Arjuna, remain steadfast in yoga. Will not fall into delusion means that he who knows the two paths and has known the secret of even-mindedness will not take the path of ignorance. Whatever fruit of good deeds is laid down as accruing from a study of the Vedas, from sacrifices, austerities, and acts of charity, all that the yogin transcends on knowing this and reaches the supreme and primal abode. He who has achieved even-mindedness by dint of devotion, knowledge, and service not only obtains the fruit of all his good actions, but also in salvation. Thus ends the eighth chapter, entitled Brahma Yoga, in the converse of Lord Krishna and Arjuna on the science of yoga as part of the knowledge of Brahman in the Upanishad called the Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 9 This chapter reveals the glory of devotion. The Lord said, I will now declare to thee this mysterious knowledge, knowing which thou shalt be released from ill. This is the king of sciences, the king of mysteries, pure and sovereign, capable of direct comprehension, the essence of dharma, easy to practice, changeless. Men who have no faith in this doctrine, far from coming to me, return repeatedly to the path of this world of death. By me, unmanifest in form, this whole world is pervaded. All beings are in me. I am not in them. And yet those beings are not in me. That indeed is my unique power as Lord, sustainer of all beings. I am not in them. Myself brings them into existence. The sovereign power of God lies in this mystery, this miracle, that all beings are in Him and yet not in Him, He in them and yet not in them. This is the description of God in the language of mortal man, 
Indeed, he soothes man by revealing to him all his aspects by using all kinds of paradoxes. All beings are in him inasmuch as all creation is his. But as he transcends it all, as he really is not the author of it all, it may be said with equal truth that the beings are not in him. He really is in all his true devotees. He is not, according to them, in those who deny him. What is this if not a mystery, a miracle of God? As the mighty wind moving everywhere is ever contained in ether, even so know that all beings are contained in me. All beings, O Kintea, merge into my prakriti at the end of a kalpa, and I send them forth again when a kalpa begins. Resorting to my prakriti, I send forth again and again this multitude of beings, powerless under the sway of prakriti. But all this activity does not bind me, seated as one indifferent, unattached to it. With me as presiding witness, Prakriti gives birth to all that moves and does not move. And because of this, O Kuntaya, the wheel of the world keeps going. Not knowing my transcendent nature as the sovereign lord of all beings, fools condemn me, incarnated as man. For they deny the existence of God and do not recognize the director in the human body. Vain are the hopes, actions, and knowledge of those witless ones who have resorted to the delusive nature of monsters and devils. But those great souls who resort to the divine nature, O Partha, know me as the imperishable source of all beings and worship me with an undivided mind. Always declaring my glory, striving in steadfast faith, they do me devout homage. Ever attached to me, they worship me. Yet others, with knowledge sacrifice, worship me, who am to be seen everywhere as one, as different, or as many. I am the sacrificial vow. I am the sacrifice. I the ancestral oblation. I the herb. I the sacred text. I the clarified butter. I the fire. I the burnt offering. Of this universe, I am the father. Mother, Creator, Grandsire, I am what is to be known. The sacred syllable, Om, the Rig, the Saman, and the Yajus. I am the goal, the sustainer, the Lord, the witness, the abode, the refuge, the friend, the origin, the end, the preservation, the treasure house, the imperishable seed. I give heat, I hold back and pour forth rain. I am deathlessness and also death. O Arjuna, being and not being. Followers of the three Vedas, who drink the Soma juice and are purged of sin, worship me with sacrifice and pray for going to heaven. They reach the holy world of the gods and enjoy in heaven the divine joys of the gods. The reference is to the sacrificial ceremonies and rites in vogue in the days of the Gita. We cannot definitely say what they were like, nor what the Soma juice exactly was. They enjoy the vast world of heaven, and their merits spent, they enter the world of the mortals. Thus, those who, following the Vedic law, long for the fruit of their action, earn but the round of birth and death. As for those who worship me, thinking on me alone and nothing else, ever attached to me, I bear the burden of getting them what they need. 
There are thus three unmistakable marks of a true yogi or bhakta, even-mindedness, skill in action, undivided devotion. These three must be completely harmonized in a yogi. Without devotion, there is no even-mindedness. Without even-mindedness, no devotion. And without skill in action, devotion and even-mindedness might well be a pretense. Even to those who are devoted to their gods, worship them in full faith. Even they, O Kandeya, worship none but me, though not according to the rule. Not according to the rule means not knowing me as the impersonal and absolute. For I am the acceptor and the director of all sacrifices. But not recognizing me as I am, they go astray. Those who worship the gods go to the gods. Those who worship the manes go to the manes. Those who worship the spirits go to the spirits. But those who worship me come to me. Any offering of leaf, flower, fruit, or water made to me by an earnest soul I lovingly accept. That is to say, it is the Lord in every being whom we serve with devotion who accepts the service. Whatever thou doest, whatever thou eatest, whatever thou offerest as sacrifice or gift, whatever austerity thou dost perform, O Kuntea, dedicate all to me. So doing thou shalt be released from the bondage of action, yielding good and evil fruit. Having accomplished both renunciation and performance, thou shalt be released from birth and death, and come unto me. I am the same to all beings. With me there is none disfavored, none favored. But those who worship me are in me, and I in them. A sinner, howsoever great, if he turns to me, with undivided devotion, must indeed be counted a saint, for he has a settled resolve. The undivided devotion subdues both his passions and his evil deeds. For soon he becomes righteous and wins everlasting peace. Know for a certainty, O Kuntea, that my bhakta never perishes. For finding refuge in me, even those who though are born of the womb of sin, women, Vaishyas and Shudras, too, reach the supreme goal. On me fix thy mind, to me bring thy devotion, to me offer thy sacrifice, to me make thy obeisance. Thus, having attached thyself to me, and made me thy end and aim, to me indeed shalt thou come. Thus ends the ninth chapter, entitled, Rajavidya Rajaguya Yoga in the converse of Lord Krishna and Arjuna on the science of yoga as part of the knowledge of Brahman in the Upanishad called the Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 10 For the benefit of his devotees, the Lord gives in this chapter a glimpse of his divine manifestations. The Lord said, Yet once more, O Mahabahu, Hear my supreme word, which I will utter to thee, gratified one for thy benefit. Neither the gods nor the great seers know my origin, for I am, every way, the origin of both of them. He who knows me, the great lord of the worlds, as birthless and without beginning, he among mortals, undiluted, is released from sins. Discernment, knowledge, 
freedom from delusion, long-suffering, truth, self-restraint, inward calm, pleasure, pain, birth, death, fear, and fearlessness, non-violence, even-mindedness, contentment, austerity, beneficence, good and ill-fame. All these various attributes of creatures proceed verily from me. The seven great seers, the ancient four, and the Manus, too, were born of me and of my mind, and of them were born all the creatures in the world. He who knows in truth my immanence and my yoga becomes gifted with unshakable yoga. Of this there is no doubt. I am the source of all. All proceeds from me. Knowing this, the wise worship me with hearts full of devotion. With me and their thoughts, their whole soul devoted to me, teaching one another, with me ever on their lips, they live in contentment and joy. To these ever in tune with me, worshiping me with affectionate devotion, I give the power of selfless action whereby they come to me. Out of every compassion for them, I who dwell in their hearts, destroy the darkness born of ignorance with the refulgent lamp of knowledge. Arjuna said, Lord, thou art the supreme Brahman, the supreme abode, the supreme purifier, everlasting celestial being, the primal God, unborn, all-pervading. Thus have all the seers, the divine seer Narada, Asita, Devala, Fiyasa, declared thee, and thou thyself dost tell me so. All that thou tellest me is true, I know, O Kashava, verily, Lord. Neither the gods nor the demons know thy manifestation. Thyself alone thou knowest by thyself. O source and lord of all beings, god of gods, O ruler of the universe. Indeed. Thou oughtest to tell me of all thy manifestations, without a remainder, whereby thou dost pervade the worlds. O Yogin, constantly meditating on thee, how am I to know thee? In what various aspects am I to think of thee, O Lord? Recount to me yet again in full detail thy unique power and thy eminence, for my ears cannot be sated with listening to thy life-giving words. Yea. I will unfold to thee my divine manifestations, the chiefest only, for there is no limit to their extent. I am the Atman, O Gudakesha, seated in the heart of every being. I am the beginning, the middle, and the end of all beings. Of the Adityas, I am Vishnu, of luminaries, the radiant sun, of Maruts, I am Marichi, of constellations, the moon. Of the Vedas, I am the Samaveda. Of the gods, Indra. Of the senses, I am the mind. Of beings, I am the consciousness. Of Rudras, I am Shankara. Of Yakshas and Rakshasas, Kubera. Of Vasus, I am the fire. Of mountains, Meru. Of priests, O Partha, know me to be the chief, Birihispati. Of army captains, I am Kartikeya, and of waters the ocean. Of the great seers, I am Barigu. Of words, I am the one syllable, Om.
Of sacrifices, I am the Japa sacrifice. Of things immovable, the Himalaya. Of all trees, I am Ashvatha. Of the divine seers, Narada. Of the heavenly choir, I am Chitra Ratha. Of the perfected, I am Kapila, the ascetic. Of horses, know me to be the Uchai Shravas, born with Amrita. Of mighty elephants, I am Ayuravata. Of men, the Marnak. Of weapons, I am Vajra. Of cows, Kamad Henu. I am Kandarpa, the god of generation. Of serpents, I am Vasuki. Of cobras, I am Anatta. Of water dwellers, I am Varuna. Of the manes, I am Ariaman. And of the chastisers, Yama. Of demons, I am Pralada. Of reckoners, the time. Of beasts, I am the lion. And of birds, Garuda. Of cleansing agents, I am the wind. Of wielders of weapons, Rama. Of fishes, I am the crocodile. Of rivers, the Ganges. Of creations, I am the beginning, end, and middle, O Arjuna. Of sciences, the science of spiritual knowledge. Of debaters, the right argument. Of letters, the letter A. Of compounds, I am the Divandva. I am the imperishable time. I am the creator to be seen everywhere. All seizing death am I, as the source of things to be. In feminine virtues, I am Kirti, glory. Shri, beauty. Vak, speech. Simriti, memory. Medha, intelligence. Dariti, constancy. And Kashama, forgiveness. Of Salmon hymns, I am very hot Salmon. Of meters, Gaya tree. Of months, I am Marga Shursha. Of seasons, the spring. Of deceivers, I am the dice play. Of the splendid, the splendor. I am victory. I am resolution. I am the goodness of the good. The dice player of deceivers need not alarm one. For the good and evil nature of things is not the matter in question. It is the directing and imminent power of God that is being described. Let the deceivers also know that they are under God's rule and judgment, and put away their pride and deceit. Of the Varishnis, I am Vasudeva. Of Pandavas, Dhananjaya. Of ascetics, I am Vyasa. And of seers, Ushanas. I am the rod of those that punish, the strategy of those seeking victory. Of secret things, I am silence, and the knowledge of those that know. Whatever is the seed of every being, O Arjuna, that am I. There is nothing, whether moving or fixed, that can be without me. There is no end to my divine manifestations. What extent of them I have told thee now is only by way of illustration. Whatever is glorious, beautiful, and mighty, know thou that all such has issued from a fragment of my splendor. But why needest thou to learn this at great length, O Arjuna? With but a part of myself, I stand upholding this universe. Thus ends the tenth chapter, entitled Vibhuti Yoga, in the converse of Lord Krishna and Arjuna on the science of yoga as part of the knowledge of Brahman in the Upanishad called the Bhagavad Gita.
Chapter 11 In this chapter, the Lord reveals to Arjuna's vision what Arjuna has heard with his ears, the universal form of the Lord. This chapter is a favorite with the Bhaktas. Here there is no argument, there is pure poetry. Its solemn music reverberates in one's ears, and it is not possible to tire of reading it again and again. Arjuna said, Out of thy grace towards me, thou hast told me the supreme mystery, revealing the knowledge of the supreme. It has banished my delusion. Of the origin and destruction of beings, I have heard from thee in full detail, as also thy imperishable majesty, O Kamala Patraksha. Thou art indeed, as thou hast described thyself, Paramishvara. I do crave to behold now that form of thine, as Ishvara. If, Lord, thou thinkest it possible for me to bear the sight, reveal to me thy imperishable form. The Lord said, Behold, O Partha, my forms divine in their hundreds and thousands, infinitely diverse, infinitely various in color and aspect. Behold the Adityas, the Vasus, the Rudras, the two Ashwins, the Maruts. Behold, O Bharata, numerous marvels never revealed before. Behold today, O Gudakesha, in my body the whole universe, moving and unmoving, all in one, and whatever else thou cravest to see. But thou canst not see me with thine own eyes. I give thee the eye divine. Behold my sovereign power. Sanjaya said, With these words, O king, the great lord of yoga, Hari, then revealed to Partha his supreme form as Ishvara. With many mouths and many eyes, many wondrous aspects, many divine ornaments, and many brandished weapons divine. Wearing divine garlands and vestments, anointed with divine perfumes, it was the form of God, all marvelous, infinite, seen everywhere. Were the splendor of a thousand suns to shoot forth all at once in the sky, that might perchance resemble the splendor of that mighty one. Then did Pandava see the whole universe in its manifold divisions gathered as one in the body of that god of gods. Then Dhananjaya, wonderstruck and thrilled in every fiber of his being, bowed low his head before the Lord, addressing him thus with folded hands. Arjuna said, With thy form, O Lord, I see all the gods in the diverse multitudes of beings, the Lord Brahma on his lotus throne, and all the seers and serpents divine. With many arms and bellies, mouths and eyes, I see thy infinite form everywhere. Neither thy end nor middle nor beginning do I see, O Lord of the universe, universal formed. With crown and mace and disc and massive effulgence gleaming everywhere I see thee. So dazzling to the sight bright with the splendor of the fiery sun blazing from all sides. Incomprehensible. Thou art the supreme, imperishable, worthy to be known. Thou art the final resting place of the universe. Thou art the changeless guardian of the eternal dharma. Thou art, I believe, the everlasting being. Thou hast no beginning, middle, or end. Infinite is thy might, arms innumerable. For eyes the sun and the moon, thy mouth a blazing fire, overpowering the universe with thy radiance. By thee alone are filled the spaces between heaven and earth, and all the quarters, 
At the sight of this thy wondrous terrible form, the three worlds are sore oppressed. O Mahatman, here too the multitudes of gods are seen to enter thee. Some awestruck praise thee with folded arms. The hosts of great seers and siddhas all hail on their lips, hymn thee with songs of praise. The Rudras, Adityas, Vasus, Saryats, all the gods, twin Ashwins, Maruts, Manes, the host of Gandharvas, Yakshas, Asuras, and Siddhas, all gaze on thee in wonderment. At the sight of thy mighty form, O Mahabahu, many mouthed with eyes, arms, thighs, and feet innumerable, with many vast bellies, terrible with many jaws. The worlds feel fearfully oppressed, and so do I. For as I behold thee touching the sky, glowing numerous hued with gaping mouths and wide resplendent eyes, I feel oppressed in my innermost being. No peace nor quiet I find, O Vishnu, and I see thy mouths with fearful jaws, resembling the fire of doom. I lose all sense of direction and find no relief. Be gracious, O Devesha, O Jaganivasa, all the sons of Dhritirashtra, and with them the crowd of kings, Bahishma, Drona, and that Karna too, as also our chief warriors, are hastening into the fearful jaws of thy terrible mouths. Some indeed caught between thy teeth are seen their heads being crushed to atoms, as rivers in their numerous torrents run headlong to the sea, even so the heroes of the world of men rush into thy flaming mouths. As moths, fast-flying, plunge into blazing fire, straight to their doom, even so these rush headlong into thy mouths, to their destruction, devouring all these from all sides. Thou lappest them with thy flaming tongues. Thy fierce rays blaze forth, filling the whole universe with their luster. Tell me, Lord, who thou art, so dread of form, hail to thee, O Devavara, be gracious. I desire to know thee, primal Lord, for I comprehend not what thou dost. The Lord said, Doom am I, full ripe, dealing death to the world, engaged in devouring mankind. Even without slaying them, not one of the warriors, ranged for battle against thee, shall survive. Therefore, do thou arise, and win renown, defeat thy foes, and enjoy a thriving kingdom. By me have these already been destroyed. Be thou no more than an instrument. Drona, Bahishma, Jayadratha, and Karna, as also the other warrior chiefs, already slain by me, slay thou fight. Victory is thine over the foes in the field. Sanjaya said, Hearing this world of Kashava, Crown where Arjuna folded his hands, and trembling, made obeisance, bowing and all hesitant, in faltering accents, he proceeded to address Krishna once more. Arjuna said, Right proper it is, O Hirishikesha, that thy praise should stir the world to gladness and tender emotion. The Rakshasas in fear fly to every quarter, and all the hosts of Siddhas do reverent homage. And why should they not bow down to thee, O Mahatma? Thou art the first creator, greater even than Brahma. O Ananta, O Devesha, O Jaganivasa, 
Thou art the imperishable being, not being, and that which transcends even these. Thou art the primal God, the ancient being. Thou art the final resting place of this universe. Thou art the knower, the to be known, the supreme abode. By thee, O myriad formed, is the universe pervaded. Thou art Vayu, Yama, Agni, Varuna, Shashanka, Prajapati, and Prapitamaha. All hail to thee, a thousand times all hail, again and yet again, all hail to thee. All hail to thee from before and behind, all hail to thee from every side. O oh, all, thy prowess is infinite, thy might is measureless. Thou holdest all, therefore thou art all. If ever in carelessness, thinking of thee as comrade, I address thee, saying, O Krishna, O Yadava, not knowing thy greatness in negligence or in affection, if ever I have been rude to thee in jest, whilst at play, at rest time, or at meals, whilst alone or in company, O Achiyuta, forgive thou my fault. I beg of thee, O incomprehensible. Thou art father of this world, of the moving and the unmoving. Thou art its adored, its worthiest master. There is none equal to thee. How then any greater than thee? Thy power is matchless in the three worlds. Therefore I prostrate myself before thee, and beseech thy grace, O Lord adorable, as father with son, as comrade with comrade. So shouldest thou bear, beloved Lord, with me, thy loved one. I am filled with joy to see what never was seen before, and yet my heart is oppressed with fear. Show me that original form of thine, O Lord. Be gracious, Devesha, O Jaganivasa. I crave to see thee, even as thou wast, with crown, with mace, and disc in hand. Wear thou once more that four-armed form, O thousand-armed Vishwamurti. The Lord said, It is to favor thee, O Arjuna, that I have revealed to thee, by my own unique power, that is my form, supreme, resplendent, universal, infinite, primal, which none save thee has ever seen. Not by the study of the Vedas, not by sacrifice not by the study of other scriptures, not by gifts, nor yet by performance of rites or of fierce austerities can I, in such a form, be seen by any one save thee in the world of men. Be thou neither oppressed nor bewildered to look on this awful form of mine. Banish thy fear, ease thy mind, and lo, behold me once again as I was. Sanjaya said, So said Vasudeva to Arjuna, and revealed to him once more his original form, bring again his form benign, the Mahatma consoled him terrified. Arjuna said, Beholding again thy benign human form, I am come to myself, and once more in my normal state. The Lord said, Very hard to behold is that form of mine which thou hast seen. Even the gods always yearn to see it. Not by the Vedas, not by penance, nor by gifts, nor yet by sacrifice, can any behold me in the form that thou hast seen. But by single-minded devotion, O Arjuna, I may in this form be known and seen and truly entered into, O Parantapa. He alone comes to me, O Pandava, who does my work, who has made me his goal, who is my devotee, who has renounced attachment, who 
who has ill will toward none. Thus ends the eleventh chapter entitled Vishvara Pudarshana Yoga in the converse of Lord Krishna and Arjuna on the science of yoga as part of the knowledge of Brahman in the Upanishad called the Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 12 Thus we see that vision of God is possible only through single-minded devotion. Contents of devotion must follow as a matter of course. This twelfth chapter should be learned by heart even if all chapters are not. It is one of the shortest. The marks of a devotee should be carefully noted. Arjuna said, Of the devotees who thus worship thee, incessantly attached, and those who worship the imperishable unmanifest, which are the better yogins? The Lord said, Those I regard as the best yogins, who, riveting their minds on me, ever attached, worship me with the highest faith. But those who worship the imperishable, the indefinable, the unmanifest, the omnipresent, the unthinkable, the rock-seated, the immovable, the unchanging, keeping the whole host of senses in complete control, looking on all with an impartial eye, engrossed in the welfare of all beings, these come indeed to me. Greater is the travail of those whose mind is fixed on the unmanifest, for it is hard for embodied mortals to gain the unmanifest. Goal. Mortal man can only imagine the unmanifest, the impersonal, and as his language fails him, he often negatively describes it as netty netty, not that, not that. And so even iconoclasts are at bottom no better than idol worshippers. To worship a book, to go to church, or to pray with one's face in a particular direction, all these are forms of worshipping the formless in an image or idol. And yet both the idol breakers and the idol worshipper cannot lose sight of the fact that there is something which is beyond all form, unthinkable, formless, impersonal, changeless. The highest goal of the devotee is to become one with the object of his devotion. The Bhakta extinguishes himself and merges into, becomes, Bhagavan. This state can best be reached by devoting oneself to some form, and so it is said that the shortcut to the unmanifest is really the longest and most difficult. But those who casting all their actions on me, making me their all in all, worship me with the meditation of undivided devotion. Of such whose thoughts are centered on me, O Partha, I become ere long the deliverer from the ocean of this world of death. On me set thy mind, on me rest thy conviction. Thus without doubt shalt thou remain only in me hereafter. If thou canst not set thy mind steadily on me, then by the method of constant practice, Seek to win me, O Dhananjaya. If thou art also unequal to this method of constant practice, concentrate on service for me, even thus serving me, thou shalt attain perfection. If thou art unable even to do this, then dedicating all to me with mind controlled, abandon the fruit of action. Better is knowledge than practice. Better than knowledge is concentration. Better than concentration is renunciation of the fruit of all action from which directly issues peace. Practice, abhyasa, is the practice of the yoga of meditation and control of psychic processes. Knowledge, janana, is an intellectual effort. Concentration, dhyana, is devoted worship. If as a result of all this there is no renunciation of the fruit of action, 
Practice is no practice. Knowledge is no knowledge. And concentration is no concentration. Who has ill will towards none? Who is friendly and compassionate? Who has shed all thought of mine or I? Who regards pain and pleasure alike? Who is long-suffering? Who is ever content? Gifted with yoga, self-restrained, of firm conviction? Who has dedicated his mind and reason to me? That devotee, Bhakta, of mine is dear to me. Who gives no trouble to the world, to whom the world causes no trouble? Who is free from exultation, resentment, fear, and vexation? That man is dear to me. Who expects not? Who is pure, resourceful, unconcerned, untroubled? Who indulges in no undertakings? That devotee of mine is dear to me. Who rejoices not? Neither frets nor grieves. Who covets not? Who abandons both good and ill? That devotee of mine is dear to me. Who is same to foe and friend? Who regards alike respect and disrespect, cold and heat, pleasure and pain? Who is free from attachment? Who weighs an equal scale blame and praise? Who is silent, content with whatever his lot? Who owns no home? Who is of steady mind? That devotee of mine is dear to me. They who follow this essence of Dharma, as I have told it with faith, keeping me as their goal, those devotees are exceeding dear to me. Thus ends the twelfth chapter, entitled Bhakti Yoga, in the converse of Lord Krishna and Arjuna, on the science of yoga, as part of the knowledge of Brahman, in the Upanishad called the Bhagavad Gita.